Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I had a great message prepared for you um, in the in the in the wisdom series. I was going to tell you about all of my youth and and the fun things I learned the hard way. And then my dad came to town, and he's here today. We can give him a welcome. My dad is awesome. Where is he sitting? I don't know. There he is at the back. And, and so since he's here, I had to scrap the message and stay up all night because I can't let him know all the th- silly things I did. So sorry, it's not going to be funny anymore. It's, it's boring. We just can't let him know about the things I did, okay? I'll tell you later. I'm just kidding. Why aren't you guys laughing at that harder? I thought that was funny, extra funny. <laughs> it's true, a little bit. I'm just kidding again. Okay, so <laughs> I love my dad. He's wise. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, there is something pretty special about a generational deposit wisdom. I can't sit under a prophetic word without a prophet just saying wisdom. There's wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And I, I think that gift is in, in my dad as well. And he passed that on even as a young kid. Not even just the, the spiritual things, but, like, my dad is always trying to be wise he would always tell us, you know, make the wise choice. If you're going to jump off, off a cliff, don't be the first one. If you're, if you're going to be, you know, taking a motorboat ride with your friends and go water skiing, just don't be the first. Watch how the driver is, you know. Make sure you're looking for fire exits when you go into a building. That kind of wisdom applies to life, too. He's pretty great. Um, but, you know, there was some wisdom in my life that I didn't really know about until I gave my life to Jesus. Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so how I kind of lived my life as a teenager and a young adult was a little bit like religious. Can someone just tell me how far I can go? Like, I just want to know what the, the law is. What is the rule? What does God say? How far can I go? If, if God could just give me a line, that is as close to it as I want to go, okay? You know, how far can I go was kind of my motto as a teenager because I knew that God, God was a thing and God was real. And I, I, I went to Sunday school and I grew up going to church, so I, I really did want to do the right thing. So just tell me that line so I can get really close up to it because it looks like over there my friends are having a lot of fun. So I do want to be right there with them, but I, I don't want to get in too much trouble. That was kind of how I lived my life. And as I, I learned in a relationship with Jesus, and as I learned more about who God was, there's a better way. Wisdom is actually so much better than just what's right and what's wrong. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And so I want to talk to you today about guardrails. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are guardrails is an important message for us. And so let's pray as we get started. And drink some water too, because it's really dry. Lord, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you say if any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask you who gives generously to all without finding fault. And so for each one of us, God, as we come to know you and learn who you are, and, and just have the fear of the Lord in us, God. I pray that we would begin to acquire and have that deposit of wisdom put into, 
into our spirit, into our soul, and into our life, that we would just begin to learn to walk with you in an even deeper and intimate way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you can get, get your heart around that idea that wisdom is not just about following rules and rule-keeping, it's, it's also about guarding your heart. In Proverbs chapter 4.23, I love this verse. If you're a young person and you haven't memorized this verse, this is a great verse. Proverbs chapter 4.23, you might know it. Above all else, guard your heart. Oh, wait, if you've been to Bible camp with us, you have memorized this verse. So if it's a little dusty for you, brush it off and memorize it again, right? Sometimes we've got to pull those treasures up out of, our, out of our heart and out of our memory bank, dust it off and memorize it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another version says, for everything you do flows from it. But you know, that's a little bit backwards from what culture tells us. Because culture actually tells us that what determines our life and the course of our life is a good education. Culture tells us what determines the course of our life is if you just go to university and you get a good degree, then you're going to have a good life. It says nothing about guarding our heart. Or culture says if you can just win that million-dollar ticket in the lottery, then your life is probably going to turn out okay. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. So it's counter-cultural. Cultural. It's not what we're seeing. The Bible is saying, guard your heart. It's the most important thing. Everything you do flows from it. But the hard part is, guarding something is very intentional. There's this intentional aspect to it. You have to be on the ball. You have to be aware. You have to be awake. You can't just let it happen. You can't just let it be. You have to plan for it. You have to be alive. You have to be on the ball. And that's where wisdom comes in. And that's where having guardrails comes into wisdom. So I think everybody knows what a guardrail is. It's a, it's a system designed to keep vehicles from staying in dangerous or off-limit areas. And so maybe if you've driven to our farm, you've, you've driven down the bridge, and maybe you've driven up the other side of the, of the Grovedale Hill, and you've seen where guardrails have actually been falling down. And they've just been working so hard on fixing those, gro those guardrails for the last three years, you know? <laughs> just sinking away there. Um, <laughs> so, so these guardrails are designed, so, so keeping vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit Areas and guardrails are put in place to protect you from danger. And so you'll find them on bridges to keep people from going over the edge or, or medians to protect us from oncoming traffic or to protect the oncoming traffic from us, maybe from curves because there's unexpected changes in the road. So guardrails direct us and they protect us. But they're not placed in the danger zone. They're usually a little ways before it, right? A little ways back. 
placed in the safety zone, just a few feet away from the danger zone. So you could actually drive a little closer if there weren't guardrails. Um, but we don't because the guardrail's there. And they're designed to minimize damage, right? If you run into a guardrail, you're going to have some damage. There will still be, you know, maybe a dent in your vehicle. You'll have to repair things. But a lot less than if you went over the edge. A lot less than going over that danger zone. So um, why are we talking about guardrails? Well, the highway is not the only place we need a guardrail. Um, we need them. We need them in life. The truth is that a lot of us, most of us, would probably agree that some of the greatest regrets that we have in life could have been avoided if we had guardrails. So whether they're moral, financial, professional regrets, professional guardrails, relational guardrails, these regrets could have been avoided and can be avoided if I'm willing to establish guardrails right now. Future regrets can be avoided if I'm willing to establish some guardrails now. But the challenge is that culture actually doesn't encourage guardrails at all. And culture doesn't encourage any rules at all. In fact, this is one of the messages that when we share or talk to people, it's quite offensive to them. You know, and sometimes, sometimes it comes across as like, oh, well, maybe you're just better parents than we are. Or you're, just, you're just better at life. No, actually. But, but if you had some guardrails, you could become a better parent. And maybe, you know, maybe, how could I say this? Maybe because you're a first-generation Christian or second-generation Christian, you haven't had to go through some of, some of the same regrets and processes that I, I did as a second-generation Christian. So my kids are fourth-generation Christians. They just have had the benefit of, of years of, of wisdom and, and different things that I didn't have as a kid, so they don't have to experience the same things I had to experience. And maybe your family is the same way. Guardrails and, and wisdom and conversation and planning ahead can help us avoid regrets. But culture doesn't like that because culture is content with just painted yellow lines. You know, maybe some suggestions. When you establish guardrails, even sometimes people close to you, people that you love, they don't encourage guardrails. Sometimes it ticks people off because they like suggestions. They don't like to be, you know, told don't go there or, or that you're not going there. But I want you to know that you can operate with wisdom in your own life and in parenting. And all of us can make the wise choice. No matter how old you are, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, now I'm old enough, I can make my own batch of cookies. I could actually eat the whole batch. Nobody has to, I don't have to ask anybody, can I, can I eat all these cookies? But, but just because I can doesn't mean I should. I shouldn't eat the whole batch, and I probably shouldn't eat the whole batch of cookies every morning for breakfast, right? So just because I can doesn't mean I should, and that's wisdom. So there's some guardrails that we set up. Maybe I'm going to decide I'm going to eat two cookies and I'm only going to have it on Fridays. 
I choose that ahead of time. Even though I can, my parents aren't stopping me anymore. But culture has this resistance to rules and this resistance to black and white. And actually, this is what's really annoying, is culture mocks us when we end up in the ditch. So culture doesn't like the guardrails, but then you end up in the ditch, maybe in a financial position that's really tricky, or your marriage falls apart, and then culture is like, yeah, you're, you're awful. You're awful at that. You shouldn't have gone into debt. You shouldn't have let your marriage fall apart. Yeah, but you, culture didn't want you to have any guardrails. Isn't that interesting? No guardrails, but we're going to mock someone when they're in the ditch? That's really frustrating. Here's a great example, and you may have heard of it as the, the Billy Graham rule. Back in the 60s, he was popular for never meeting with a woman alone. And actually, recently, Mike Pence, the, the, uh, he was the vice president. He was known for that rule as well. Billy Graham was known for never spending alone time with a woman that wasn't his wife or, or like a family member. And so he wouldn't get in a car alone with a woman and he wouldn't have lunch alone with a woman. And um, he just had these guardrails because he didn't want to have suspicion and he didn't want um, to be in a position where maybe he'd, he'd be able to be accused or even develop a close relationship with someone that wasn't his wife, so he wouldn't meet in, in closed doors, and he had all these kind of guardrails. I think I, I even recall, like, people would enter a hotel room before him because he knew that he could be trapped, and so people didn't like that about him. They just thought, that's ridiculous, and Mike, Mike Pence, especially, you know, the attacks that he would come under was like, well, that's not fair to women in business. That's a ridiculous rule. It goes against women's rights. So this mocking of the guardrails. But I know lots of men and women who, who are happily married and apply that kind of guardrail. In fact, Travis and I have lived with that guardrail before we were married. And we, we trust each other. We have lots of guardrails like that. Our phones have open access. We don't have a password that's hidden from each other. I can look at his phone at any time. He can look at mine. We, we um, don't spend time alone with someone. There's these guardrails that we developed long before we were married, and, and we've been working that way for, you know, 20 years. It saves us from a lot of regrets, maybe decisions, because we understand that relationships are built through time over time. So we're not going to spend time with someone else that way. We're not going to develop that kind of relationship. And in fact, that's how we're teaching our kids as well. Well, sometimes they get stuck accidentally in a relationship they don't even know they're in. But because of cell phones, all of a sudden people have access to them. And they can be um, not even aware that they've been on a date for six weeks because someone has access to them all day long. You know, maybe you don't know that about your kids, but someone can be texting them 24 hours a day, all week, and, and you maybe, maybe should look at their phone and say, hey, did you know you've, you've been on a date? Several of them? Because these are the kind of conversations you'd have over coffee. And if your child doesn't want to get married until they're 20, or maybe they have another line that they don't want to cross, like they're committing to, 
to not being intimate before their wedding day, but they're 15, well, how are they going to slow that down and put the brakes on that relationship if they're already talking every day? You know, cell phones really change the dating game because you can think, oh, yeah, that we just, you know, our plan is that they won't, they won't go on a date um, until they're 16 or they won't go out in person. Well, if they've had a phone since they were 10 and people have access to them, we, this might be a great opportunity to add some wisdom, right? Guardrails take intentionality. It's hard work, especially with COVID, because sometimes things just happen and we're not even aware that this, you know, twisty road has brought us to a place. But, but these relationships develop even in texting, even in phone. And so we just have to decide, where's our guardrail? If I have a line, I'm not going to straddle the line or I'm not going to go right up to it. I'm going to take a few steps back so that there's some safety. That way, if I, if I bump into the guardrail, I'm still safe. I haven't, you know, I haven't done a lot of damage. It's still going to hurt, though. So I don't actually want to be right near the guardrail. And if I'm 15 and I don't plan to get married, how, how slow do I want to go in that relationship? Those are the kinds of conversations we can have. You know, in our marriage, we can have a conversation about what we want that to look like. Because time over time develops relationships. So it's not that I can't. It's not that my kid can't. I don't mind them having having the phone or having, having the opportunity. But wisdom is the way we want to operate. So we set it up that way. Again, there's no mercy with culture. So the Bible talks about setting up standards and boundaries. In Hebrews chapter 5, Paul is just finished telling Christians that there's, there's things they should stay away from, and he's giving them details about how to live. Hebrews chapter 5. He's given them some very specific behaviors, what to do, what not to do. And he realizes, okay, i got to give my listeners something to hold on to. I have to give them um, a handle, something they can, you know, pay attention to so they don't end up in the ditch. So in verse 15, Paul says, be very careful then how you live. That word just becomes the new standard then. So live literally means walk. Be very careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So again, there's this intentionality with how we're going to walk. Um, we have to be intentional to be wise. We have to walk carefully. Wisdom serves as this decision-making template for us. And you can read in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Again, wisdom is better than just right or wrong. It's so much better than just the rules. And so we can ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? And a lot of times, in all of, of, of bringing up our kids for, in all the ages, we'll say to them, well, what's the wise thing to do? You know, there's a certain age where we don't tell them what to do as much as we did when they were really little. What time do you think you should go to bed? You know, you have school tomorrow or you have to work. What time, how much sleep do you need? What time do you think? What, what can I have for lunch? Well, what did you have for breakfast? Let's make a wise choice. We can give them some, we're not trying to control them. We're trying to raise them to be wise. So wisdom becomes our our decision-making template. We need to know what the line is, though. So if we don't read God's word, we're not going to know at all what the line is. 
We need to know that line so we can stand 10 feet away from it or, you know, figure of speech. So that when we make a mistake, it's not devastating. We're not in the danger zone. Find that line and set ourselves up for healthy relationships, for a healthy personal life. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. So there's this understanding about time, right? Redeeming the time. As you live your life, time is your most precious commodity. We understand that. Paying attention to how fast time flies, right? If you have kids at all, you know that. You know um, we usually teach twice a year about how fast time goes. You're losing your marbles, right? 936 weeks from a time a child is born until they graduate. You only have 18 summers. Guys, my marbles have been going down. I looked at our little app, and there is not a lot left in our oldest kids' time with us. Time is going by. So I got I to gotta teach him, you know, I'm not, the line for him on all the things is not just what culture says. We have to pour in with what wisdom says, what the Bible says. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days so that we can acquire a heart of wisdom. It's only so much time we have with our kids and even on this earth. Verse 16, because the days are evil. So even 2,000 years ago, Paul had this understanding. These are evil times. You know, maybe you even look around and you realize these, these times aren't super awesome. These are hard times. I'm seeing some evil happening around us. And he's telling his listeners and his readers, guys, we have to be careful. You can't afford to be careless. If you remember just a few verses ago, like, be careful. And he's warning us, pay attention because the days are evil. He's warning us, even back then, you know, if you've ever taken driver's training or maybe even if you drive, you understand there's this defensive part of driving. The point is not just paying attention to what you're doing, but you also have to pay attention to what the other drivers are doing, right? It's not just you, it's them on the road. And so Paul's saying it's, it's actually not just enough to pay attention to what you're doing. You also have to pay attention to what the other people are doing. And maybe, if you can follow me, guardrails become even more important depending on where you're going and who you're with, who your kids are with and where you're going. You know, walk, walk with the wise and become wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. The Message Bible says. I know that's true in my own life. If I was with a certain crowd, I was going to be doing a certain thing. And even if I wasn't, it was only a matter of time before they wanted to bring me right to the line and maybe even over. Ah, it's just, it's just going to be one drink. What's the big deal? And so we have some guardrails in our life. It's not that alcohol itself is bad, but maybe... It's better to be having that glass of alcohol with someone that you trust your life with. And if my only guardrail about alcohol is, is what the government says, like, yeah, you're 18, you can drink. Where's the wisdom in that? I'm going to look to the Word and what the Bible says. 
I'm going to exercise some guardrails. Verse 17, therefore, don't be foolish. Don't approach life as if what happens today doesn't impact tomorrow. I don't think a lot of us think to the end. We don't look forward. But understand what the Lord's will is. And so here's maybe, here's the part. Just understand, acknowledge, and stop deceiving yourself. Because you know what wisdom is. You know your past. You have to be honest with yourself. Face up to the person looking at you in the mirror. Be honest with yourself because you know what the right thing is for you and you know what you need to do. And you know what you're supposed to do. And you know when you're flirting with disaster and you know you. You know where it's taking you. You know where, you know, the line is. And you know that one thing leads to another. And so guardrails are the thing that keeps us from another thing. And wise people understand this. So then if you keep reading, it's like Paul is like, okay, guys, let me give you an example. In verse um, 18, he says, do not get drunk on wine. And everybody that doesn't like the taste of wine is like, okay, yeah, phew, I don't like wine, so I'm good. Don't get drunk on wine. Well, back in Bible times, wine was actually safer than water because um, wine could make you drunk, but water could make you dead. So don't get drunk on wine. Okay, we're good here because we got good water. Um, but gar so guardrails, that thing that keeps us from ending up where we don't want to be. But, but take out the word wine. So do not get drunk. It keeps going, though, because it leads to. And, and for some of you, you might actually understand because maybe that don't get drunk on wine thing would actually change your entire upbringing if mom and dad followed that you know, don't get drunk. Maybe if they had just stayed completely sober, your life would be completely different. Or maybe if you had stayed completely sober, because the problem with getting drunk is actually what it leads to. It's what it leads to. And some of us are just all too willing to get up to that line because we don't think it's going to be a problem for us. And so remember, wisdom is the thing. It keeps us from trouble. Guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So here's how Paul fills in that line. Do not get drunk in wine because it leads to debauchery. And that's a word we just don't really use anymore, but I, I loved looking this up because I actually forgot about this. That word that we don't use anymore, it actually means reckless indiscretion. It leads to reckless indiscretion. And then here's what's even cooler. Un savedness is what the original Greek word means. Unsavedness, spiritual wastefulness due to excessive behavior and the dire consequences it brings. The character of an abandoned man, abandoned man, one that cannot be saved. And then like the root word it's built on has the word sozo in it. And if you remember all of our teaching on sozo, that word save, meaning like healed, delivered, healed, body, soul, spirit, everything that Jesus has done for us. He healed us in our body, our soul, and our spirit. He delivered us. He took us from our sin, shame, sickness, 
promised us heaven, saved us from sin, saved us from hell. And that's what this kind of stuff leads us to, away from all of what Christ has done for us. And that's what I want to flirt with, a line that takes me so far from the cross and everything Christ paid for me. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus today. He can change your life. He can change your generational line. He can change your heart. He can change your history. And he can change your future. And we'd love to introduce him to you today because in a moment, everything can change. Deliverance, healing from all of those things that keep us in bondage. Why do I want to mess with a line that causes reckless indiscretion and unsavedness? I just thought that was so cool. It, it causes this lack of self-control and it, it, like, it turns over control. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the answer here is a relationship with Jesus. When we give our lives to him and turn our control to him, he fills us and indwells us and actually gives us the power to stay away from that line. Because on our own, it's really hard. You know, sometimes the line just looks really attractive and maybe even sometimes what's over there. But once we, we turn control over to him, it's like the guardrail isn't even cool anymore. You don't even want it. It's like, meh. I'd rather have guardrails and, and stand way over here. Life is way better. So instead of giving over control to anything or anyone, submit your life to the Holy Spirit. And then our conscience begins to be fine-tuned. And he begins to whisper to us and speak to us. And he doesn't let us go the same way we would go. He begins to speak to us about the guardrails that should be in our life. Would you stand with me? And just as we close, let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about this message. Because culture is confusing. You know, I don't want, I don't want the lines that culture puts in my life to be the only thing stopping me from danger. Because if, if culture says... You know, it's a suggestion. Just don't drink and drive, or, or you, can, you can drink when you're 18. That's not saving me from danger, because then what if I'm not the driver, or I'm 19? It's still leading me to, to places that are causing reckless indiscretion. And it's not just alcohol. You know, it's greed, and it's relationships, and it's things on my phone. You can fill in the blanks. You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Understand. You know when you look in the mirror. So I'm going to ask Tyson to come, and he's going to close the service as we just pray. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Pray that you would speak to us that there's guardrails that we need to put up in our life. Pray that you would begin to fine-tune our conscience to hear from you. You would save us from the danger zone and help us to back away from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. 
For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.